Let's talk about all the arguments for a labor hire agency. Why you shouldn't hire directly, but engage an agency. 17 arguments for offshore labor hire. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants. Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 367 of Text Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. So now you have heard a lot about labor hire in episode 358 and 360 and then about direct hire in episode 359 and 363 part 1 and 2. But which way should you go? Direct hire or labor hire? Agency staff or your own staff? What are the pros and cons? Today Let's talk about arguments for a labor hire. So arguments for going through TOA or a similar agency. And next week, arguments for a direct hire. So hiring your own staff without a third party in the middle. Labor versus direct hire is not an either or decision. You could do both. You could have some staff as direct hire and other staff through an agency. Teresa Vesala, for example, in episode 359, in the practice he previously worked in, They had agency staff, I think it was in Taiwan, and then they also had direct hires in the Philippines. So in theory, you could do both if you wanted to, but most people tend to do either or. Either all offshore staff through a labor hire or all offshore staff as a direct hire. Outsourcing, of course, is to the side of that and separate. Before we look at the pros and cons of labor hire versus direct hire, let's look at what they share. Let's begin with 12 common points that apply to both offshore labor hire and offshore direct hire. 12 things that are relevant for both. Common point number one, competition. You always face competition for your staff, no matter how you hire them. The labor hire agencies are in regional hubs with lots of other agencies and companies around who need staff with a very similar skill set to the one you are giving your staff. And for direct hires, your competition comes from freelancer platforms on the internet. So you face competition either way, just in a different way. Common point number two, moonlighting. No matter whether you do labor hire or direct hire, you always face the risk that your remote staff overseas will work for other clients when not working for you. Even if it happens outside of regular working hours, it still affects you since It increases the risk of burnout and fatigue in your staff. Take the speaker in episode 360 as an example. She worked for a labor hire agency for nine hours a day plus travel time and then another four to five hours a day for other clients she found online. That easily makes a 16-hour day and after a year she got sick, burned out and left. So all the training her clients had put into her for years, those agency clients lost that time when she left. So moonlighting is a risk for you and you face this risk no matter how you hire your overseas staff. And if you already have offshore staff and you might think that your staff is working only for you, but I wouldn't be so sure. Common point number three, staff retention. What your offshore staff learn from you are skills that are highly sought after. So the more you train your people, the more highly sought after are they on freelancer platforms. And so that affects your staff retention as well as the wages you have to pay to keep them, no matter how you hire them. Common point number four, different culture. No matter whether your staff work in an agency or work from home, your offshore staff is not Australian. 
even if they work for Australian clients for many years, they and you live in different countries with different cultures. So there will always be some things lost in translation, some things you don't get and some things they don't get. Common point number five, less feedback. When somebody works right next to you, you see how they work, how focused they are. You see a straight back and eyes glued to the screen, or you see your body almost horizontal on a chair, wandering eyes, yawning. You get those feedback loops when you work in the same office right next to each other, but you lose them when you work remotely. And that applies to both labor hire and direct hire. You lose feedback in a remote working setup. Common point number six, not a standalone decision. Labor hire versus direct hire is not a standalone decision. Your setup in Australia will influence your setup overseas. If you have all your Australian staff working in your office, then it makes sense to have all your offshore staff working in a central office as well. Whereas if you and your Australian staff all work from home, then you will probably be less wary of your offshore staff working from home as well. So whatever your setup is in Australia, it will probably influence your attitude towards the options you have overseas. Common point number seven, no technical support. No matter how you hire, when it comes to your technical setup, you are alone in both scenarios. You have to set up email addresses, access to the ATO portal and software access. You are alone when it comes to technical issues. All a labor hire agency does is give you a person with a chair, desk, computer and internet connection. The rest is up to you. And when you hire directly, it is just you anyway. So whichever way you go, you are on your own with technical issues. Common point number eight, Australian school holidays. All for best due dates have Australian school holidays right bang in the middle of the time leading up to them. So when you need your staff the most, your Australian staff tends to disappear, at least the ones with school-aged children, and so you're left holding the baby. When you work with overseas staff, you don't have that problem. They have different school holidays and a different attitude to all this anyway. And that is true for both solutions. Common point number nine, processes and technology. Your staff can only be as efficient as your processes and technology stack allow them to be. If your processes are inconsistent and your tech stack outdated, your staff will produce less output, no matter how you hire them. Common point number 10, cloud. To work with a remote team, you really need everything in the cloud. If you still work with a server in the office, offshoring gets tricky. Yes, in theory, you could give your overseas staff access to that office server, but not ideal. You really should be in the cloud with either solution. Common point number 11, cost effective. No matter which solution you go for, you will still pay a lot less than what you would pay for a similar expertise in Australia. So whether you go for an agency or direct hire, you still save. Common point number 12, bigger talent pool. No matter which solution you go for, you will have a much bigger talent pool to choose from than if you just advertised in your local area around you. So these are 12 common points that apply to both labor hire and direct hires. But now let's look at factors that actually speak for labor hire. And when I talk about labor hire agency, Take what I say with a grain of salt, since I have actually never worked with a labor hire agency. All my staff members are direct hires working from home. So regarding direct hires, I speak from experience. Regarding labor hire, I only speak from hearsay. So take everything I say regarding labor hire with a grain of salt. 
And also, my arguments for labor hire are based on the assumption that labor hire means working in the agency's office. That is a central point. So much is connected to working in the office. If they don't work in the agency's office but work from home, then a lot of the arguments for labor hire fly through the window. My thinking is that if your staff member works from home, you might as well hire them directly. I really don't think an agency contributes enough to justify $700 a month in management fees when the person works from home. So I'm assuming in the following that the agency staff work in the agency office. But that assumption is wobbly since a lot of tour staff, for example, are pushing to work from home. But for now, let's assume that agency staff means working in a central office. So here are the arguments for labor hire. Number one, easier candidate selection. With labor hire, the agency goes through the application, meets with candidates face-to-face, -face, at least I assume it is face-to-face, -face, and then just presents you with the final one or two. Whereas for a direct hire, you have to do all this by yourself. You are the one going through all the applications and then interviewing prospects. Number two, lower risk of a bad hire. With an agency, it is harder to hide a poor track record. Online, it is much easier. And hence, hiring through an agency lowers your risk of a bad hire. Let's say a staff member in Cebu performs badly at TOR. There are not that many other opportunities on the ground for the staff member after that. Word of mouth gets around and there are only a limited number of agencies and companies in Cebu. But online, that accountant just sets up a new profile, does a few fake hires and reviews and even if you know what to look for, it might take you a while to work out that you hired a lemon. Number three, lower risk of an interim solution. Staff retention is always an issue. The retention of good staff is an issue. When you hire online for a working from home position, you run a higher risk that, unbeknown to you, your new staff members only after an interim solution to cover a lockdown, a temporary employment gap, a temporary financial emergency, and you might not realize that this is the case. With an agency who meets with the candidate and is local, the risk that the candidate is really just after an interim solution is lower, but not zero. And that happened to me, for example. A person I had last August actually had a job and was just looking for some temporary work to cover the lockdown in the Philippines, which I didn't realize. So I spent a lot of time training this person, which they were happy about. And then as the lockdown ended, they were gone. Number four, jurisdiction. With a labor hire, your contract is in Australia. With an Australian entity, if you have a contractual issue, you're talking to an Australian. With a direct hire, you have a contract or you have no contract with an individual somewhere in the Philippines who you most likely have never met. Number five, payment. With a labor hire, you pay in Australian dollars into an Australian bank account, so you don't even incur international transaction fees. With a direct hire, you have to work out how to get money from Australia to your staff overseas. Number six, line between private and work. With a labor hire, your staff clock in and clock out at the agency's office, so there's an accountability whether somebody's at work or not. With a direct hire, the lines between work and private is a lot more fluid. Chat messages can be answered on the phone wherever they are. So there's probably a fair bit more multitasking going on when somebody works from home. Number seven, proper workspace. In a labor hire agency's office, your staff have enough space, a chair, a desk, and two screens to work with. You can be sure of that. In a direct hire working from home, 
this is not a given. Living arrangements can be very cramped and your new team member might be working on an ancient laptop sitting on her bed since there is no table and there is not even space for a table. And I tell you this from experience because this is how a new team member I hired last year was working and it took me two weeks to realize that she doesn't have a desk. So I bought her a desk. Luckily there was space for a desk with labor hire. You don't have those issues. Number eight, professional working conditions. In a central office, your staff work in a professional environment in an office. That is a really important point and not to be underestimated. With a direct hire, you don't really know what the working conditions are like for your staff member. When you ask, the answer you get and what you can see on your Zoom calls might not be the full story. There might be five babies in the house. Half the family might be living in the room your staff member is working in. You just don't know. Number nine, children. When staff work in the agency's office, you know that there are no children around. Bookkeeping staff working from home are often, of course not always, but are often working mothers with children. And when you ask about childcare arrangement, you usually get a satisfactory answer about a mother or a sister taking care of the kids. But to what extent that is always true, you just don't know. And in a central office, of course, you would know because there are no children. Number 10. Supervision. Working in the agency's office, there is some supervision. There are CCTV cameras, there are other staff members. You can ban your staff from bringing phones into the production area. Whereas working from home, you have a lot less control. All you have is chats, video calls, screen recording, and of course, seeing what gets done. If your staff member is getting things done, then of course, all is probably fine. But you have less control over remote staff. Number 11, peer support. With a labor hire, even if you have just one staff member, that staff member is surrounded by others who are a similar age and do similar work. So they have peer support around the water cooler. They can make friends. It is a lot more social. With a direct hire working from home, your staff is alone and all they have is you and their family. Number 12, career progression. Working in an office for a known labor hire agency is viewed by many as better career progressions than working from home, definitely at the start of their career. TOA used to be quite prestigious to work for, although I'm hearing that this is changing quite a lot, that working for TOA is no longer as prestigious as it used to be, that there's quite a lot of dissatisfaction at the moment. But I still think working in an office feels like more career progression than working from home, especially at the start of the career, you know, for somebody just out of uni. Number 13, moonlighting. Working from the agency's office, it is less likely that your staff will work for other clients while on the clock with you. They might answer messages or take calls from other clients, but it is unlikely that they can do actual work for somebody else while on the clock with you. Working from home, you have a lot less control over this. When people work from home, it is easier for them to work for two clients at the same time. They could have the clock ticking on one screen and then work on another laptop for somebody else. There are ways to detect this. Yes, there are statistics, but the risk is definitely higher when people work from home and lower when they work in an office. Number 14, more privacy. In an agency's office, each staff member has their own computer and nobody else uses that computer. Do you remember how the um, agency worker was talking about how there are two shifts, one day shift for Australia and then a night shift for the US and Canada? And she mentioned that 
they are actually in different locations. The night shift doesn't use the day shift's computer. So there is quite a lot of protection of those computers. Working from home, you don't know who has access to that computer. Yes, there are passwords and authenticator apps, but privacy protection is lower. Number 15, counselor and referee. Despite everything I say tomorrow, the agency will try to be on your side as much as they can. You pay their bills. You are their client. So it is in their interest to keep you happy. If you have an issue with one or two of your staff members, you can discuss it with them. And they will try to help. They will meet with your staff member and discuss the issue, be it a performance issue or whatever it is. If your staff member doesn't work out and it isn't your fault, then they will find you a replacement. Although a replacement is only one thing. You then start from scratch again, training this person. But that's a different story. Whereas if a direct hire doesn't work out or there are misunderstandings or similar, you don't have a referee in the middle. And that I present this as a good thing, but it could also be a bad thing. It could also be better that it's just you and them and you work it out without somebody in the middle. It depends. Number 16, better teamwork. If you have several offshore team members, then in an agency, you can have them all working together. They can sit together in one area, help each other, and can have the production manager on-site giving on-site supervision and support, which is a lot more effective than supervision and support via Zoom or Teams. With a direct hire, all team members just communicate as you communicate with them, and that is never as effective as face-to-face. Number 17, efficiency. In general, on average, efficiency is higher when everybody works in an agency's office. I quite strongly believe that. Working in an office, the work output will probably be higher for all the reasons listed. Not in every case, but on average. So if money is no issue and efficiency is all you care about, then go for labor hire or set up your own office. So these were 17 arguments for a labor hire agency, assuming the agency staff works in the agency's office. In the next episode, episode 368, let's go through the arguments for a direct hire. What are the strong points to go it alone? Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.